0: All right, DJ and PK, it is time to bring in Frank Dolce, our Utah Insider for the Zone Sports Network. Frank, good morning.
1: Good morning, guys. Hope everyone is doing well.
0: Yes. We have multiple things to discuss with you today. Uh, but before <laughs> we get to a game, uh, you were eloquent on TV, uh, but you're limited in time there, and I didn't get to use everything you said. But uh, Bill Marcroft meant a lot here, and so just – uh, he passed away this weekend. The voice of the youth, a longtime KUTV sportscaster. Just a word about, you know, how he impacted you.
1: Well, uh, Bill was uh, just. It, it's hard to describe him in in just a couple minutes. He was unique, and um, he was passionate, and he was. In lots of ways, he was larger than life, and he carried around a big personality. And um, he was, in lots of ways, one of the best human beings i I've ever known, in the way that he interacted with people and especially interacted with fans who always wanted, to talk to him about, you know, what was happening with Utah athletics and um, and the way that he treated his family and the, the people around him. It just, it always felt like, you know, I always felt like I was meaningful to Bill. And I think that anyone who ever interacted with him would say the same thing, that, they were they were meaningful to bill
2: forget you frank he was my best friend not
1: yours (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think we could probably go the rounds with that i mean i've been reading all the stuff that's been written about him and um you know guys like white like wesley ruff considers bill like you know like it feels like he feels like bill's his best friend and (laughs) and you you hear coach Whittingham's comments and you talk to coach McBride um, and he was he he was one of the few people i think who had kind of a deeper relationship um, or a more meaningful relationship with Rick Majeris and i don't know if anybody had that i mean he was coach Majeris was a was a tough dude um and so I think there's a lot of that going around. Is like, no, Bill's my best friend. You know, no, he's my best friend. And that's, I think that's one of the things about him that is unique.
2: Yeah, I agree with you 100%. You know, uh, Monson's doing a piece on him, and, he, and I talked to him on the phone. He told me that he had spoken to you and and, and got some good stuff from from you about him. One of the things that, especially in this Day and of the media when we don't Know who we can trust I don't Think it gets enough run That because he of his play by Play stuff people remember him from That but I don't think he gets enough run As far as he was a Trusted newsman now it was Before you and I got to this community And DJ also but in His day from what I've been able to gather Listening to him and to others He was he was a great Journalist and I think that's something That needs to be right there with what goes on or what went on with his broadcasting career,
1: there's no question that uh, he, in in his career, he did meaningful he did meaningful things, and he's he's part of that. Uh, you know what we, I, I guess what we hoped uh, the media would be, and, and the media has degraded certainly right. into something else and and bill was part of the you know hey we are going to we're going we're gonna to tell the story and we're going to tell the truth and you know we don't necessarily pick sides it's just the, the story is the story and he he that was one of the things that he he kind of taught me in broadcasting is you know we're all fans so obviously i i lean toward the Utes and, and Bill leaned toward the Utes. And, but, but you have to, you have to tell the story with some objectivity to have any credibility. And, and I feel like that's a valuable thing that, that Bill taught me. So even when it's not going well for, for my team, you still have to tell the story. And, and I think that's what he did throughout his, his life and throughout his career, and if you look back on the beginning of his career, you know, starting at the University of Utah and and going into the through the Air Force and the Armed Services, and um, I think that was meaningful to him. And it's certainly the way that he told the story was meaningful to lots of people.
0: Frank Dolce, Utah Insider, joining us here. Uh, all right, so if we're going to tell the truth about the upcoming football season, I guess the first question is. Do you believe the youth season will actually kick off this weekend? This will be the first game.
1: What's the (laughs) 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 over-under?
0: Are you 60-40 that they play USC? 80-20 that they play USC? Where are you, Frank?
1: Yeah, it sounded like, I mean, I I listened to Coach Witt on your air a few minutes ago, and it sounds like they're... They're, it sounded like he was more optimistic anyway. They're heading in the right direction. And so I would guess, and, and the game's not being played in California. So um, leadership in California can't necessarily, well, I guess they could. I guess they could tell USC not to go. You can't necessarily dictate what's going to happen. So I'm guessing, I feel pretty confident this is going to be the one. Uh, but I don't know that I feel confident about, uh, you know, a bunch of the other games. I, it feels to me like if Utah gets four games in this year, then they're going to be, then they're going to be really lucky. So I, and if we're talking about, you know, truth and, in, in journalism, I, I think that the PAC 12 has in lots of ways mismanaged this whole situation. And I'm certainly not a, a BYU fan. I'm a fan of Kalani Satake. I always say that, but, but, uh, the way that the way that BYU has managed this um, seems much more reasonable and um, with with much more integrity than than the way the Pac-12 has managed this whole thing.
2: Yeah, I know, man. They should have been playing games earlier because then it gives you the flexibility as these other conferences are doing. The fact that Utah very well could only play four games because I think next week's game against ASU is highly in doubt, and maybe they can reschedule something and get something in there, and hopefully for them they can. But it seems, man, it just seems ridiculous. And in and of itself, as far as the Pac-12, okay, I could live with it. But the problem with the Pac-12, it's like a, a buffet, a cafeteria style of screw-ups, and which one do I want to pick out? <laughs> And then you put it all together, and then, gosh, this thing is just woefully, inadequately mismanaged.
1: Yes, a- absolutely. And and you have uh, you, you, you look at examples across. First of all, let me just say, obviously, the, the 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 health and safety of the kids is that that's prominent. That should be the top of the list, absolutely. Yeah. And I think we have enough information that shows that. Even, even, with, even with the positive tests and even with kids who, are, who have uh, maybe a little more aggressive uh, symptoms, the, the, the result after a, a quarantine period or a period of you know, 10, 14 days, the results have been good, have been very positive. We look at a Virginia Tech football team that, that lost 23 or 24 players and, and, and still was able to play a game and win a game. And and they're you know, it seems like they've come out the other side doing OK. And I think that's probably the story across the country is that, you know, kids get it. People are going to get it. It's not going away. We have to learn to manage it. We have to learn to live with it and we keep getting better at dealing with it every day. But but the, the, the whole story seems to be like, you know, you're going to people are going to get it. And you you deal with it, and you get over it, and then you you move on. And it just doesn't feel like a couple of, oh, I I don't know, I I guess I'm going to say states, were willing or have been willing and continue not to be willing to figure out how to live with it. It's more about locking everything down and shutting everything off and going indoors and that attitude has, has, has been kind of a heavy hand on how the Pac-12 has managed the whole thing.
0: I just think it goes back to the pac 12 got a moron at the top. Let's not sugarcoat it. <laughs> Don't sugarcoat it. Bill Marcroft doesn't want you to sugarcoat it. It is easy to sit in Utah and blame liberals in California. But San Jose State went to Humboldt State and found a way to play. San Diego and Fresno have found a way to play. They're in more conservative parts of California, so is that the reason? No, it's because they got the antigen tests and then they sat on their hands. They didn't do anything. Be more conservative. LSU's had two outbreaks. I could find you people in Utah who believe the SEC, not, no, no, not the SEC. Some SEC coaches told their guys, go to the club and get it, and then we'll be fine for the season. I've been told that by people who work in Utah, who know SEC people. Now LSU's got a second outbreak. I don't think that's very responsible. But LSU apparently knew Darius guys had multiple allegations of sexual assault against him, and they just uh, keep playing. I mean, just win at all costs in the SEC. The Big Ten and the Mountain West were cautious. They were way more cautious than the other leagues, and they're still finding a way to play eight-game schedules. And yeah. the Mountain West has got yeah. three teams in California. So you've got to look at the league office. The league office screwed it up. There's nothing else to say. The, the teams in California answer to the same, not completely, the same state politicians. They don't answer to the same local politicians. And so to the degree that one county in California acts different than another county, okay, you got that. But it wasn't the Mountain West commissioner or the Big Ten commissioner who said, we got a game changer as a Pac-12 commissioner. But his game changed way slower than everybody else's game. What are we doing? Why? Yeah. yeah! I...
1: <laughs> well said. <laughs> I didn't mean to I didn't mean to wind you all up today.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was Seriously. Yeah. Well, stop tying your shoes I, together. Get on with it.
1: I I don't I don't disagree with that. I think we've seen over the course of, of the you know, the recent leadership in the Pac-12 several examples of miss Mismanagement, and this is just the latest example of misman- mismanagement. And, and, um, you know, without being, without being political, um, you know, I'm curious about where, where, where he lies, um, and, and where he, he finds his information because whatever he's looking at, and um, whatever the conference is looking at doesn't necessarily align with what everybody else is looking at. And I think you're you're, you're right. You put the SEC on the other extreme. <laughs> I mean that's 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 kind of nuts as well, but but there is some landing spot in the middle and the Pac-12 keeps missing somehow missing that spot. So if 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 the current leadership survives this, I <laughs> You know, I don't know what to say about the Pac-12, but other than they're just going to doom doom themselves to to becoming a, a second-class citizen in in the Power 5.
2: So that's interesting. We should run a poll. Who did Larry Scott vote for for president?
1: That would be an interesting that'd be a very interesting poll. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to go with Kanye.
2: Ah. <laughs> You're going to go with the West man. I know someone who actually from the state of Utah who voted for Kanye
1: West. I know I know several people. I know several people who did, who voted for Kanye. I mean, that that should tell you something about – I don't want to get off on a tangent. That should tell you something about the choices maybe that we had for the top spot in the, in the nation. I hear you. That people, yeah. that people just couldn't figure out where to vote and so the vote went to to kanye um who who has very very little chance of of being in that position um but you know it's uh, it, it's that the state of politics um in the united states is challenging well, at the moment to say the <laughs> least
2: I voted for Kanye because, in effect, I thought I was voting for Chris Jenner. And Chris Jenner manages my second cousin's entertainment career, so I feel a bond there. And her, my second cousin, her grandparents are my godparents. So I feel like even though I've never met Chris Jenner and Kim, I feel like I've known them all my life.
1: It, doesn't, it sounds like you're not making that up. That I'm not like making that it up. An, that's an actual thing. <laughs> that is an actual that's thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's an actual <laughs> thing. Yes. That, that may have been the best. <laughs> I've heard in a long time. Like, if you could write that out, could you send that out in a tweet? Just write that whole thing out. My second cousin is related to the third nephew of the fourth no. whatever. No, no, Put no. that very, in a
2: tweet. Very simple. My second cousin, my cousin Gordon's daughter, is her manager, is Chris Jenner. Now, my second cousin, her grandparents are my godparents my mother's sister is her grandmother
0: I not only didn't follow that the second time, I I still don't care.
2: Super simple. (laughs) (laughs) It is real easy to follow. My second cousin's manager, my second cousin's grandparents are my godparents, a big tradition in the Catholic Church. That's my mother's sister. My Aunt Rose is the grandmother of Chris Jenner's client. Come on. Basic
1: stuff here.
0: Frank, I'd I'd like to fit in one USC football question. Would that be okay? (laughs)
1: Yeah. I don't know. Is Clay Helton related to the Jenners? Probably. <laughs> I'll check. <laughs> okay, yes. So Trojans. Let's hear about it.
0: Earlier in the show, PK brought up the fact that USC used to be a running school and now they're a passing school and they put so many receivers in the NFL. And now they got four more guys on their roster and it looks like two are going to the NFL sooner, and then a couple more will follow later just because they're younger guys and won't be eligible. They are throwing the ball 49 times a game, and yet through two games they're also averaging 36 rushes a game. And so we consider and do a lot of things, but why in the world are they getting 85 snaps a game? Can the Utah offense run the ball? Can Utah's offensive line beat USC's defensive line, shorten the game? Because Kyle Williams has got to look at the stats and think there is no way we can allow USC to snap the ball 85 times. They get too many playmakers. That's a problem. Reaction.
1: the the the, the problem The problem is uh, USC should still be a uh, a running a running team. And I, I don't know. They they had a couple guys that were averaging well over six yards to carry, and and then they still threw the ball, forty times. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I, 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 talking about mismanagement. I, I really like Clay Helton. I, I, I think he's a fantastic person, fantastic human being, and I, I don't know that he, he, has figured out how to how to maximize the talent he has available, and it seems like that's that may be happening again this year. All that said, I, I think Utah has a better shot at stopping the run against USC, I feel better about the front seven of Utah without any game film on them than I do about the, you know, the back four guys and all of the youth in the, in the defensive secondary. And so a USC team that's able to drop back and throw the ball with some efficiency 40 times in a game against Utah seems like a, seems like a difficult affair for the Utes. So I agree with you. I I think Utah is going to have to figure out, and I like what Utah has on offense. I think they're going to have to figure out a way to, to run the ball, to manage the clock, to control the game on the ground and, and, uh, to put themselves in a position to, to take a, take a lead into the, into the fourth quarter. Although for, for USC, that hasn't seemed to be a problem. They, they've had magical fourth quarters, a couple, a couple games. So, um, the, the biggest thing to me about this football game is in a typical year, the way that USC is playing right now uh, and and the way I would assume Utah to be playing in their first two games, I would say at home, Utah has the advantage in this, in this football game. If, if all things were equal, if, if Utah had played two games and USC had played two games and now they're meeting for the third game of the season – in Salt Lake City and based on the way that U- U- USC has played. The problem is that, that Utah hasn't played any games. And, and as goofy as, as USC wins have looked, they have two games of experience under their belts. And not only that, but they probably have the most talent uh, in the Pac-12. And those, those factors combined make it a very difficult task for Utah in game one. Utah is going to be breaking in a new quarterback. Uh, Although I really like the offensive line. I really like the running backs. Uh, I still think there's question marks with the receivers. I really like the tight end group. You just don't, you you know, it's just hard to tell. You just don't know. So, um, and and then all of the inexperience on the defensive side that we've talked about. So, I, I would have to give the edge to USC on Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, just because, you know, two games under the belt, two games of, of experience versus a very young and a very inexperienced Utah team.
0: Frank, as always, we appreciate the time. We especially appreciate the kind words about uh, Bill Marcroft, who P.E.K. and I uh, both had a fond spot for. So uh, thanks a lot.
1: Absolutely, Bill. Bill, one of a kind. He's a legend. Um, always will be to me. The one and only voice of the youth.